This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It is August 30th. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making time for us. When you give us your time, that's the greatest gift you could ever give, and we appreciate it. Jesperson here with Hicks. You rolled into the studio this morning with a, a major season-related announcement, and uh, <laughs> if folks don't know this already, when you drop this right now, you're going to change the trajectory of a lot of people's days. It is pumpkin spice latte they are back put on your cardigan yeah halloween's coming yeah <laughs> they call it psl season i think yeah. although it doesn't seem like it we got a heat wave going on here so yeah we do but pumpkin spice latte season this sort of signifies the the, the uh, entry into fall doesn't it, it does we were out yesterday people. uh lucky enough to be at a um you know a, a pretty special tournament this is the tee up for tots tournament that i mm-hmm. host every year in support of the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. And this is the Stollery Children's Hospital. You've, you've heard it on this show. You probably know uh, providing, uh, in, in many cases, life-saving resources, uh, you know, the best surgeries and uh, some of the best uh, health-related resources in Western Canada. They're mm-hmm. flying in kids, you know, from zero to, to just under 18 years of age, from, from northern B.C., from Yukon, Northwest Territories, Alberta, Saskatchewan, even into Manitoba. So uh, wow. just an amazing... A uh, group of people that operate with great conviction. They raise about a million dollars a year. That's incredible. It was the 22nd annual tournament yesterday. Uh, they've raised $17 million. So Amazing. they average almost a million dollars a tournament. The point of this is to say, well, I mean, there's a lot of points. Just made some important points, I hope. But I was going to say the fairways littered with yellow leaves. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Like all over the place. And uh, so much so that uh, one of the players in our foursome had to switch. He was playing the bright yellow balls. Uh-oh. And he was like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and so he's, he actually switched to some Real Talk Vice Pro Plus golf oh, balls, nice. John. That, you know, I, I let him know later. He could purchase those for himself Get under the now. merch link at ryanjesperson.com. But, yeah. but an amazing day on the golf course. Our friends at Dairy Queen were out there. The Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton to Shore Park handing out blizzards. People were crushing blizzards. Yeah. And, of course, so many people out there involved to make this thing happen. So it was just a really special day. Charles Adler is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. It's a big day for him and his family. We'll find out why. And I'm looking forward to talking to him well, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it uh, we will talk to him about why Alberta is trending uh. again and of course it'll probably have something to do with what happened in Grand Prairie over the weekend if you missed our conversation yesterday with Grand Prairie's Mayor Jackie Clayton make sure you check it out it's kind of in the week of mayors. Uh, we spoke to Mayor Alana Natchew out of Sturgeon County yesterday as well. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking to Calgary's Mayor Jody Gondek about a post that uh, she put out on Twitter talking about uh, violence and threats and vitriol and hate in politics. She really bared her heart in that uh, Twitter thread, and Mayor Gondek will join us tomorrow. Today, it's Peterborough, Ontario's Mayor Diane Terrian that will also join us of Fuck off, you fuckwads fame. It was, <laughs> I, I, I uh, was looking back on the calendar. It was two weeks ago today that Peter's, Peterborough's mayor uh, put that out on Twitter. Yeah. Essentially, these, these QAnon conspiracy theorists were doing their best to take over her city. We'll let her tell the story. I don't need to tell the story, but basically, these people tried to storm 
Peter, well, well, like they started at the cop shop and they were going to be placing their plan was to place police officers under, under arrest, citizens yeah. arrest, which is just bonkers. And then they got upset that it didn't turn out the way they wanted. It's weird. It's weird that it didn't go exactly how they planned it would. But these are also the same people that are like not paying their electricity bills, not paying their hydro bills. They're, they they say that they are electing to not participate in society, but they're also being very they're also very surprised when, for example, their utilities are being shut off when they don't pay their bills. <laughs> so these maybe aren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. I joke and I'm, I take it a little bit lightheartedly because I think otherwise it just sends me into a deep spiral. We talk about this stuff all the time, about what we're seeing in society around us and the conspiracy theories and the, the half-truths and the misinformation and the disinformation. And you know, it just kind of drives me nuts. So we'll find out what it was that prompted Mayor Tarion to finally just say what everybody was thinking, which was, again, earmuffs kids, fuck off you fuckwads. It then got to the point where so many people, the, those clutching their pearls, uh, my cousin Andrew posted something on his social media today. These are the types of people I think we're talking about. Andrew was at the dog park the other day, and he posts two photos. He says, these are stickers on the same car. Uh, the one sticker says, fuck Trudeau, and the other sticker says, uh, Central Church Parking, stall 051. <laughs> oh and so these are the, the pearl clutchers that did not appreciate Mayor Tarion's salty language apparently started flooding the phone bank at Peterborough City Hall. And so then she posts a subsequent tweet, which is amazing. I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever seen anything like this before in politics. She basically says, hey, listen, if you want to take issue with what I said, she says to the peeps who are mad. This is a blue checkmark Twitter account coming from the mayor of Peterborough. She says, if you're mad about my tweet, don't call City Hall and be rude to my staff. You're mad at me, not them. Call my cell and talk to me directly. Whew. And she tweets her phone number. Open up a can of worms. So I see this. I've never met her before. I've never spoken with her before. And I'm like, is this really her phone number? So I text her. And I'm like, Mayor, I think I said, Your Worship. I said, I'm pretty sure your your phone's getting flooded with messages right now. Uh, but I said, I, I sort of laid it out. I said, We're real talk. Here's what we do. Uh, I said, we'd love for you to come on the show. Now, it took a few days, as you might imagine. A lot of texts to go Can you through. imagine how many <laughs> yeah. texts she must have got? <laughs> anyway, sure enough, a few days ago, she reaches out. She says, yeah, we'd love to do Real Talk. She says, oh, Beautiful. She says our team will be in touch. And so she's going to join us today. I'm looking forward to that. I, I want to ask her about the text, like what her inbox looked like. That had to have been just an absolute hot mess. We're also going to talk about something. I'm going to bring this up to Chuck in just a second. I don't know if you've heard about this. This is the uh, this is the the uh, rage index. Uh, Polaris Strategic Insights has come out with this. They're going to do this every month. They've launched a new monthly rage index to gauge public opinions on Canadians' views about government, the economy, and current events. We'll get into that in just a second. Pretty interesting stuff. Before we get to Charles Adler, I want to remind you about our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. This is what we feed our dogs. So this, to me, is the endorsement that's got to mean the most. These are our furry family members, and we have seen their health improve, both of them, on different fronts when they started eating Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food. Moses, our 10-year-old boxer, he has the one 
type of food, Monroe, our three-year-old lab, she has another. And we've been consulting with the teams at Grand Dog to find the fit that's best for them. You can check out their website right now at granddog.ca. That's where you can also place your order. You know, they deliver right to your door. They make weekly deliveries in Edmonton, in Calgary, and in central Alberta as well. And when you sign up using the promo code REALTALK, they're going to knock 10% off your first-time order. You can check out their supplements. You can check out their feed platters. I mean, there's, they have all kinds of things. And also a whole a whole lineup for cats, too. If your family's a cat-loving family, uh, maybe you got dogs and cats, Grand Dog could be a perfect fit for you at granddog.ca. The Covenant Foundation Lottery early bird deadline is fast approaching. As a matter of fact, it's two days from today, September 1st. That's when you want to make sure that you have your tickets so you qualify to win that bonus prize. That's the Tesla Model S or 100 grand. And then, of course, there's the life-changing luxury that is this $2.2 million dream home, unbelievable palace on Hayes Ridge Boulevard in southwest Edmonton, almost 5,400 square feet. It comes fully furnished. I love that. If you're like me, you're going, when I get a 5,400 square foot home, if I do, if I win the lottery and I get this home, how am I going to furnish it? You don't have to worry about it. 30 years of life-changing wins. That is the storied tradition of the Covenant Foundation Lottery. You can get your tickets today at covenantfoundationlottery.ca or give them a call at one 944 2774 And a shout out to real talker Aretha Van Herc, who put this on our radar this morning. We want to wish a very happy birthday to Warren Buffett, legendary money manager, one of the richest people on planet Earth. Today, Warren Buffett turns 92, says Genevieve Roche Detector, who who posted this on Twitter. Uh, Warren Buffett's lived through World Wars, depressions and crashes and is still investing in the stock market while eating Dairy Queen. Yeah, that's right. Warren Buffett keeping it real, crushing Dairy Queen, 92 years of age today. You heard this story about him. No matter the wealth that he earned, no matter the money he made for his family and others, he always and remains living in the same place he always lived in. He's wow. got this modest bungalow, doesn't have this crazy home. Huh. But of course, you know, this guy's, we didn't think he was smart before. The fact that we see him celebrating with Dairy Queen, that to me <laughs> says it all. You can be just like Warren and visit the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road today. That's the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Our next guest, this day's a big day for him, too. I don't know if he's a big Warren Buffett guy, but Charles Adler today rocking his Real Talk Ryan Jesperson ceramic coffee mug. You're celebrating a big birthday today, Charles. 100 100 years ago today. My dad, my hero, my mentor, my savior, not trying to offend anybody who's religious, I'm just giving you the facts because facts mattered. My pop in a tyranny called Hungary during an uprising, which was a threat in many ways to many people because the uprising was being put down, was being crushed by Putin's crowd, by Soviet tanks and all kinds of other people who were involved in kidnapping and executing people. It was a horrible time, a bloody time, and it was bloody well time to try to make it out of there. My dad 
put me, a two and a half year old child, into his backpack and headed with my mom to the border. And it was not a pretty sight on the way there and it was not safe. Not the kind of safety we have in a free country like Canada. He saved my life, but most important because of all of the things we're talking about today. My father knew where the bright red line was between freedom and dictatorship. And no matter how many people who are whipped up on an ideological nonsense, lathering it on day after day on talk radio, on podcasts, on blogs, everywhere they can be, YouTube, you name it, along with all the usual suspects who I call political hustlers, who keep trying to tell us that this is not a free country, that this is a dictatorship. My mind simply pushes back on that every day the same way. In the name of the father, mm. my father, Mike Adler, mm. this is the promised land. This is a free country. This is our beloved Canada. Don't insult my country by calling it a dictatorship just because you want to raise money and defeat somebody in Ottawa. Mm. Don't you dare call this country a dictatorship, Mike Adler would say. What was your relationship like with your dad in, in the height of like when you're hosting a nationally syndicated talk radio show? And, and, and oftentimes that would involve breathing fire. People would expect you. You had your moments of Canadian common sense. I mean, the branding was incredible on it. People would look to you. They did. Chuck, they do uh, for decades uh, for, for, for your opinions on things. I think that, that you as a, as a political and social commentator have provided a lot of people direction. Was your dad always kind of that compass point for you? Did your relationship with him extend like your personal relationship into your professional life as well through the course of your career? My dad was my moral compass, but you know, there's a, a dark side to, to a lot of stories and a more difficult side. And I told this a few years ago when they, RTDNA gave me that Lifetime Achievement Award. And I, you know, did a, a perfunctory thank you to the, the various people in this in this industry who have been kind to me and opened up all the doors. And, uh, you know, I prepared that text, made wanted to make sure that everyone got their due. And then I, you know, essentially just put it in my pocket and decided to speak extemporaneously as I am now about what the award really meant to me and what this career meant to me, because my career all my life in behalf of my father has been a thank you card to Canada. That's what it's been. And that's what it is now. But it's also accurate to say that for a number of years, my father and I hardly, hardly talked at all. He was uh, massively disappointed. My father wanted me to be an attorney. He would have wanted me to be a prosecutor at the uh, International Court of Crimes, mm. he would have wanted me to prosecute war crimes. War crimes stole his mom, dad, siblings, and many other members of his family. And he believed that I had the juice to be the kind of prosecutor who would bring justice to history. So. My choice, my career choice was to be honest, to be brutally honest, a disappointment to him. 
And I didn't find out until he was in the last throes of Alzheimer's. Authoritarianism tortured him, but it could not kill him. Mm. Alzheimer's did that. And in the later stages of Alzheimer's, his caregiver, at a time when my father spoke not a word, told me that dad pointed to the radio and spoke two words. My son. Mm. That is real talk. I've never heard you say that before. I really appreciate that, Charles. That's incredible. Well, Mike Adler, 100 years ago today, uh, I think we can all celebrate that and celebrate the legacy that led to your long talk radio career. We're so honored to speak with you every week, Charles. You know, you were in transit. I was letting real talkers know yesterday you were traveling across the country and we were getting messages from people going, where's Adler? What's going on? It's Monday. Where's Adler? Because they wanted to know your take. I said, don't worry. I said, it's going to be no more than 24 hours. You're going to get your Adler fix and I'm going to ask him and I'm going to hand over the mic how you're wrapping your mind said yesterday in a tweet. I said, I'm still wrapping my mind around what happened at grand Prairie city hall over the weekend. This, this hulking goon, uh, Elliot McDavid, uh, approaches the deputy prime minister, Christia Freeland, uh, and, and essentially in a, in a, in a profanity laced tirade, uh, tells her to get out of Alberta, demands to know what she's doing in Alberta. And uh, I think that the the deputy PMs, we covered this yesterday, obviously. I think her staff uh, responded remarkably well. We spoke to the mayor, Jackie Clayton of, of Grand Prairie, and she told us how, how you know, she's essentially trying to mitigate uh, the damage to her city's brand. Obviously, Alberta, like I said to Johnny when we launched the show today, Alberta is trending today and not because we've got affordable housing or not because people want to raise their families here, but because of all the same reasons that it's been trending over the last little while. It's it's kind of an embarrassing time, quite frankly. But but what do you make of, of what you saw now a few days later? First of all, uh get out of Alberta. She's born and bred in Alberta. She's from the Grand Prairie area. She's from peace country. She was coming home. That's what she was doing. But this person who I called, and yes, I make no apologies for it. I called him human wildlife. And I was uh, surprised that uh, Pierre Polyev couldn't make what I would simply call an honorable manly statement, adult statement. He wants to be prime minister. Uh, he's well aware that those people who most fiercely oppose Freeland and her government, those are the people that he's after. I'm not suggesting that this piece of human wildlife was a major supporter of Pierre Polyev's, but it was time for him to say something. And he said nothing for hours and hours and hours and more than a day, said nothing. Finally, when he did say something, he just uh, said that the act was unacceptable never mentioned her name, never spoke to him directly, went on to one of his rants about himself and blah, 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 blah. Mm. So I simply said it in my tweet, like, are you, are, you know, because my, my assumption is that he, he, he can't speak like a prime minister because he's so focused on making sure that he nails down every single possible vote. So I, on my tweet, you know, I asked him, you know, like, are you, are you, are you, are you worried that some 
members, you know, I'm talking about a minority of his membership, a minority, but are you worried about the, you know, that some of your human wildlife won't vote for you? And of course, this has been turned into Adler thinks all conservatives. Adler thinks all Pierre Polyev supporters are human wildlife. Now, you're my witness to this, uh, Ryan, a few years ago, when I asked Jason Kenney about all of those bozo eruptions and all of those eruptions revolving around race, revolving around misogyny, revolving around Islamophobia. I was referring to all of those and I asked him why he was attracting those knuckle draggers. And his bunch then tried to turn it into, and I guess from a social media perspective, did turn it into Adler things, Adler things, all Albertans are knuckle draggers. Now I am just so so sick and tired of Alberta coming across as this constant, chronic crybaby. Alberta is a shining star in this galaxy of a promised land we call Canada. I love Alberta. I love Alberta so much, I want it to be an even larger star. I'd love for it to be the biggest star. Alberta gave me all my best breaks. And my best break from Alberta is called Ryan Jesper. Oh, wow. Come on. I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't know how to respond to that, actually. I really appreciate that. Let, let me just say this. Uh, and, and again, it's kind of funny because I'm even doing what I'm about to make fun of right now. Uh, but, but like, I'm from Alberta and people are going to rightfully reach out and say, why does that matter? Why do you have to clarify? Why do you have to say that? Why do you have to? It doesn't matter. But like, you know, and, and then, and, you know, you know, our family goes back many generations and blah, 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 blah. We've been here for a long time. Uh, so I think I've earned the right uh, to say whatever the fuck I want about this place <laughs> and this place. This place is like the. It's like the uh, eccentric Russian on the hockey team, right? That all that all needs all the extra attention from coach, and he's not going to show up until the very last minute to put on his gear before warmups. And he's going to—you don't know—is he going to have a hat trick or is he not going to take a shot? Like you, you don't know. It's kind of the—it's kind of the eccentric one. It's like the Alexander Semin of the team, right? And or or we're like the, the 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 girlfriend or the boyfriend that constantly needs to be reassured, constantly needs to be told that I care about you. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You look amazing. Yes, but you haven't said it today. And you and you and you told your buddy that he looked, but you didn't tell me. Oh, yes. No. Yes. Yes. Albert. Yes. Alberta. Yes. No. Yes. You're fab. You're important. You're fabulous. And you're good enough and you're smart enough. And doggone it. People love you. And it's the same sort of a thing. I think with a lot of conservatives right now, and sure, we can poke holes in other political parties, but we're not talking about the other political parties right now because an ardent NDP supporter didn't verbally accost and lambaste the deputy prime minister last weekend. So that's why we're talking about conservatives. And it's like, why do you call this guy human wild? Like, what are we all here? It's like, why are you jumping to defend him? Like to me, I always say this to people when I see a threat to a political party and that could be in uh, manifesting itself in a in a leadership race, it could be manifesting itself in policy, it could be manifesting itself in election advertising, whatever. If it is damaging to your brand, you should be the one that's pushing back the strongest, not your opponents. And I don't understand that. You know, I mean to me, it's just like this is part 
part of the problem with the movement, a movement that's getting pretty darn comfortable sitting in opposition. And if it's me that keeps losing federal elections, I'm going to start examining a different approach. And I just don't see any difference in the approach here. Look, I probably wouldn't be as, as tough on the conservatives. I know I wouldn't be as tough on them if, if I didn't think of the conservatives as as my political home for decades. It's it's heritage for me, and it it, it bothers me what what they've done to the the party. The conservatives, as I've said before, uh, I, I grew up and my my started voting conservative in my early twenties, so I voted conservative most most of my life, and it was the party that was the most adult, in my opinion the most rational, the party that believed in change for sure, without trashing tradition. So it was that sort of perfect Canadian kind of balanced approach. You, you don't trash tradition, but you do go forward incrementally and rationally. That was what the progressive conservatives represented to me. Well, you know what they represent to me now. I mean, what what is this aberration? And yes, because I have loved conservatives, I speak truth to them. Mm. Same with Alberta. I love Alberta. That's why I speak truth to Alberta. And I understand, Ryan, where you're coming from. I'm just one of these people who treats people as equals. And when you love somebody, you love a people, you love Albertans, you tell them the truth. I'm not into this, uh, you know, what do you want to call it? Uh, pampering and diapering. Uh, yeah. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't treat Albertans as babies. I, I treat them as equals. And, and, and some Albertans push back. Oh, you can't possibly love Alberta. What, what because I'm not stroking all day long? I'm not a stroker. I'm a human being. <laughs> a viewer by the name of Plain Power is on our live chat right now and says, I've always wondered why Alberta feels to be so special in Canada. Like, why do politicians push that narrative? And it's, you know, Alberta is a special place. But guess what? So is British Columbia. And so is Yukon. And so is Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia is stunning. Uh, so is Prince Edward Island. So is everywhere else. You know, Ontario's going to be like, well, why didn't you mention us? No, Ontario doesn't care. That's the point. Ontario and Quebec don't care what any of the other provinces think about them be because they're the eldest sibling. They have that confidence. But, you know, there's everyone's like there's this Alberta spirit. There's this Alberta. Entrepreneur, and, and I'm not cracking on it. There have been great things here. But like, guess what? It's the same thing in Saskatchewan. And it's the same thing in Manitoba. Like farmers in Alberta don't work harder than farmers in Saskatchewan. It's the same deal. Like what I, I honestly and I'm with plain power. Like why do politicians push the narrative? Well, some of them do. And it might be the conservatives because they know that that's where the, obviously where their seats are. It's where the majority of their seats are. But it's also the safest spot. Am, Jean, Jean Charest am, was on the show last week, and Jean Charest says, he goes, I don't know why Pierre Polyev's spending all his time in Saskatchewan. He's like, he's already got all the seats. But, Brian, don't, don't, please don't leave this out. I mean, the most important thing to, to Stephen Harper when Stephen Harper was leader, outside of, uh, you know, political power, seats, you know, outside of that, was money. I mean, he sat on the board. He still sits on the board of the, the, the fund. And he wanted to make sure that the uh, the party always had lots of money because they needed lots of money to to run ads, most of the negative ads against Trudeau, against Ignatiev, against Dion, against whatever it is that they were running against. And the conservatives, especially Stephen Harper's conservatives, are always about running against somebody. Now, these days, of course, they're running against Justin Trudeau. They've been running against Justin Trudeau for years. My take on that is pretty simple. If they had not spent all of their political capital simply wailing on Trudeau, I think they might have had much more success because, you know, there's a law of diminishing returns that kicks in. But money is important. And they raise lots of money, especially on the prairie, 
especially in Alberta. So never, never underestimate the importance of the stroking being connected to the clawing of dollars from, from that part of the world. And it's fair to say the same about, you know, so-called conservative media outlets and the rage farming that we're learning a little bit more about. I teed this up and I, and I was curious to talk to you about this. This is a story just out this week, uh, a group by the name of Polaris Strategic Insights. This is an interesting exercise. They're, they've launched a new monthly rage index uh, and they're going to gauge public opinion on Canadians views about government, the economy and current events. And so for their first one, they surveyed just over 2000 people, 2013 people across the country Uh, in its inaugural survey. The firm found that 83 percent of respondents, quote, feel angry about inflation. Seventy nine. This is pretty interesting. Seventy nine percent feel angry about gas prices. 64% feel angry still about last winter's freedom convoy and the Ottawa occupation. 57% angry about delays at airports. 55% angry about the housing market. And 45% are angry about problems in passport renewals. Now, it's funny until it's not funny, right? It's funny until that anger is channeled or directed into a scenario like we saw in Grand Prairie City Hall lobby, which could have been a lot worse uh, quite frankly, is an exercise like this productive, do you think, or counterproductive? In in general, I think it's counterproductive because I think that, uh, you know, it's this, 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 it's this you know, ugly system that basically transmits the message that Canadians are an angry people. Uh, that's decided social science. We're all angry. We're all angry all the time. We're just going to now discover what it is that we're angry about. You know what? We're not angry all the time. Obviously, if we're in an airport delay, a passport delay, yes, yes, we get angry. But being angry from time to time doesn't mean that we're angry people. Mm. The people I'm talking about, the human wildlife, they are terminally angry. And the political hustlers, some of them happen to be conservatives, are wanting people to be terminally angry. If you want a significant group in Canada, you don't have to have the majority, you never have to have the majority. But if you want to keep a significant group, hundreds of thousands of people in Canada, terminally, chronically, pathetically angry, that force will do things that have been done in many other countries, not called Canada. We've got this complacency here. Oh, what, what happened in Europe, what happens in Asia cannot possibly happen to us. Want to bet? The reason it does happen in many of those other countries is because you do have hundreds of thousands of people perpetually angry at somebody or some religion or some color. It's ugly. We know what it looks like. It can happen to Canada. We have elements of it in Canada. We certainly have elements of it right now. And to have organizations that want to inform us, because they're always, it's always about just, hey, we're just trying to inform you, basically, for, for organizations to create the notion that this is a chronically and perpetually angry country is simply not true. But if we want to play that game, it will be true. More and more people will be angry all the time. And when you're angry all the time, when you're raging because you've been rage farmed like a crop, <laughs> bad things happen. Charles Adler, uh, Lifetime Achievement Award winner with the RTDNA, an Emmy Award winner. You can catch him typically every Monday, unless he's in transit here on Real Talk. Amazing to see you again, Chuck, and we'll chat soon. My apologies. Yesterday, I, I couldn't talk to you because I was leaving on a jet plane. I had a, a, a Peter, Paul, and Mary moment. My, 
Sorry, my friend. Okay. Charles Adler. Give him a follow on Twitter at Charles Adler. Uh, Luke on our live chat says, growing up here, Alberta. And by the way, it's not piling on Alberta. I don't know why I feel like I have to always offer the caveat. We're just having real talk, right? This is where we come to have real talk. Uh, Luke says, growing up here, uh, Alberta's vibe was never about playing the aggrieved victim. It was a silent, steady, hardworking strength. And that has markedly changed in the past decade. I mean, you could look to the legacy of Peter Lougheed. I, I think almost consensus opinion. I mean, no, nah, that's not fair to say. I can't say consensus. But a lot of people would argue that, that Peter Lougheed was the greatest premier that Alberta's ever seen, the greatest representative at that level of government that Alberta's ever seen. And he went toe-to-toe with Ottawa uh, quite successfully, quite frankly. But it was a different vibe. It was a different vibe than now. Uh, Maggie says, I've been in Alberta 12 years. I'm still trying to figure out why so many think we're more special here. I still haven't figured it out. It's a beautiful place, but the whining is something else. And if I know my fellow Albertans, a whole bunch of you are going to be going, well, that's not us, right? There's a lot of people right now. You see a lot of tweets. I don't know if you're seeing them, John, but you know, Twitter in particular, but even people posting on Instagram and then people in real life that are seeing some of these stories that are making national headlines. They're saying, this is not... Like mm-hmm. Jackie Clayton, the mayor of Grand Prairie yesterday was trying to do that to, to the best of her ability. Sure. She's like, this isn't my city. Like it is my city, but that is not representative of my mm-hmm. city. And there's a lot of people, I think, trying to argue the same for Alberta. A hundred percent. I mean, I left. I, I, I lived in B.C. for like seven years and I thought, oh, yeah, it's a better place in Alberta. I went back for a year and came back. I love Alberta, the people, the culture. Uh, the, the lower op- cost the opportunity. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I was just going to say the opportunity, but yeah, the cost is part of it. But that's another reason. I don't know why people are complaining. Taxes are low. I mean, and these things they're complaining about are, are like you said, are not just happening in Alberta. They're happening across Canada. So yep. it's not, you know. Yeah. Hodge says everybody's angry. Nobody's willing to compromise. Marie says born and raised here. Never have I been so embarrassed as I am lately. Mark says I'm proud to be born and raised in Alberta. I've never been ashamed. Joe says Mayor Clayton's wrong. That is her city, and that is Alberta. You can let us know what you think. I know sometimes it's like, you know, you're, you're in more of like a live chat vibe or you want to hit us with a quick note on Twitter, and sometimes you want to take a little bit more time and send us an email. You can do that to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and we sure appreciate everybody that takes the time to lay it out for us and, and let us know exactly where you're at upon due thoughtful consideration we're going to get to peterborough's mayor in just a second i wanted to remind you about this forty thousand dollar interest-free loan that the feds have available right now this is the canada greener homes loan and our friends at kubi renewable energy are ready to turn that opportunity into panels on your roof 40 grand interest free to get your home closer to your sustainable energy goals now why kubi energy well they're proudly headquartered in kamloops bc in edmonton alberta they're doing installs commercial agricultural residential industrial across western canada their installers are tesla certified and of course they're journeymen or apprentices so you know the job is getting done right you can check out some of their work if you want to see their projects you want to see how clean these installs are go to kubienergy.ca that's where you can also learn more about the canada greener homes loan and you can get your free quote today at kubienergy.ca
Our friends at Park Power are our friendly local utilities provider, and they understand, you know, I'm talking about some of this anger, the angst, the ire that Canadians are feeling with increased costs. A lot of that is with utilities. A lot of that is with the stuff that you have to deliver for your family. You don't really have a choice but it's getting more and more expensive. Why not compare rates today on electricity, internet, and natural gas? If you bundle all three with Park Power, you'll save on administration costs. And of course, a lot of people that are in touch with the show, I remember an email from Jill a while back. She says, my only regret about going over to Park Power is that I didn't do it sooner. She says the cost savings were immediate, tangible, significant. You can find out more at parkpower.ca. And don't forget, the promo code 2022-RealTalk knocks $70 off your first bill. Our friends at Friesen Brothers have a great new opportunity coming up over these next couple of weeks. These healthy inside events are starting again in September. You can get all the details at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. Every month till the end of the year, Friesen Brothers Edmonton, Friesen Brothers Fort Saskatchewan are hosting experts in their field, sharing their knowledge on ways to gain a better understanding of our bodies and how we can support our bodies to be the best they can be. So $25 a person for a ticket includes a glass of wine, the best charcuterie spread you've had, trust me, as well as 15% off Friesen Brothers Healthy Choice or Health and Beauty Departments during that evening. Book two or more tickets, you'll earn 10,000 smart shopper points. That's 10 bucks in your pocket. Bookings are now open at Friesen.com slash Healthy Insight. The first event coming up in Edmonton on September 7th. Well, I have been looking forward to this conversation for two weeks. You all by now know about Peter Burroughs mayor, right? I mean, Diane Terrian caught everybody's attention when her city was was essentially I, do I, I can't say under siege. That's not the right way to put it. I'll let the mayor put it in her own words. But a bunch of conspiracy theorists were trying to take over. They were, they were trying to arrest the police to paint a picture here. And that's when the mayor pushed back. But not in your standard politician's playbook kind of a way. She took to her Twitter account and two weeks ago today pushed this out. This is the tweet from Peterborough's mayor that got everybody talking. She says, people have been asking me to comment on the events of the past weekend in Peterborough. I hate giving airtime or the spotlight to these imbeciles. Here's my comment. Fuck off, you fuckwads. Mayor Diane Terran joining us live this morning. Thank you for making time for us. Everybody wants to talk to you these days. Welcome to Real Talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what the backstory here, for, for those that aren't necessarily 100% familiar with it, this is QAnon, and they're trying to take over Peterborough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Peterborough's seen uh, a lot of sort of, you know, convoy, anti-mask activity in the last couple of years. And, and certainly everybody is kind of on edge because of the pandemic. And it's been a long, it's been a long couple of years. Um, but then two weekends ago, uh, it was a bit of a, a different flavor in terms of the folks that were coming in. It was the really like the really insane conspiracy theory QAnon people who um, came to Peterborough and leading up to it, they're, um, they're the people that were organizing this event. They basically were like, we're going to go to Peterborough and we're going to place the police under citizens arrest. Right. Uh, <laughs> which is just a like that's a very American thing. Um, they wanted to arrest the police and then turn them over to U.S. Marshals. So this is how, you know, wild and delusional these people are. Um, so they came into town and 
uh, you know, congregated in front of the, the police station. The police then, you know, had to call, you know, all the resources that we need to actually have out in the community in the city. You know, they had to call in off-duty officers. They had to call in all hands on deck. So that prevented people in our city that actually pay for those services and need those services. They weren't able to get help from the police because the police were caught up dealing with these fuckwads outside of uh, the police station. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's just now, and you've you've you haven't technically trademarked it, but you have stamped <laughs> the phrase on T-shirts and uh, on Dean Blundell's website. You're actually selling these now, not for profit, but you're, you're selling them for charity. Did you? I, I suspect that you anticipated that using such salty language, so to speak, from the mayor's official account might get everybody's attention. But did you expect this to become an international story like it did? Absolutely not. I mean, people that know me know that that's kind of how I talk generally. I mean, I don't talk that way when I'm sitting around the council table. I don't sure. talk that way when I'm, you know, cutting a ribbon for the new primary school. <laughs> right. I, you know, I there's a time and a place. Uh, and Twitter is like the time and the place if you're going to, you know, throw out some salty language. And the thing is, you know, we've been dealing with this kind of nonsense for so long. And these people don't respond to um, normal conversation like they're not going to respond to here's some scientific facts let's yeah. have a you know let's have a, a scholarly debate that's not going to work um you know they're the ones that started driving around with the you know fuck trudeau flags and stuff so for them to now be outraged that i use that kind of language back at them um it, it i mean it says a lot it says a lot about the their character um but sometimes you just need to be blunt and direct and um I've kind of always operated that way. Uh, I think, you know, from the response I've gotten, it seems like a lot of Canadians wish more politicians would uh, would speak that way when mm. required um, because, it, you know, enough is enough. And these people, again, are, are causing harm to the city of Peterborough. They're doing it to other cities, too. We've seen it in Ottawa and Windsor and, and across the country. Um, and they, you know, so what I've been saying is, like, treat them with the amount of respect that they've been treating your community. Mm. They've been treating the city of Peterborough with zero respect. So for me to tell them to fuck off, that's just, you know, if, you know, respect is earned, not given. Right. So if you're going to come here and be disrespectful to our police, uh, to the to the residents of the city of Peterborough, don't be surprised when you get that kind of treatment back. I was talking to Mayor Jackie Clayton from Grand Prairie, Alberta yesterday, and, and obviously I'm sure that you've seen the video of what happened in their, the lobby of their city hall with the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland, accosted by this guy. And, uh, and I asked Mayor Clayton if, if she figured that this, this climate and, and kind of this tension, and, and I guess an extreme example of that would be the QAnon and their, their self-appointed Queen of Canada, and it really is kind of a next level of weird uh, I don't think it's fair to say there's QAnon in the Freedom Convoy, but I think there are a lot of QAnon people in the Freedom Convoy. I think the Venn, sure, yeah. the Venn diagram certainly overlaps. <laughs> uh, but I asked Mayor Clayton if she thought that this was like a new phenomenon or are we just seeing it more because of social media? Uh, you've not been in office forever, but you've you've been in for several years, long enough to, to, to have had your finger on the pulse of Peterborough. Um, is this kind of a new development? Uh, did you see it brewing for a while? Where did this come from do you think yeah i think a lot of it has to do with frustrations around covid we've certainly seen that be a bit of a catalyst for some of some of this behavior uh, i mean there's you know politics uh, there's always been a toxic culture in politics you know you look back at um the last 50 years you know people have politicians have been assassinated politicians have been harassed you know this isn't something that's totally new um but i think that the toxicity around 
um, that we're seeing with QAnon and these kind of conspiracy theories, a lot of it is uh, has just gotten worse with the pandemic and people feeling like increasingly isolated and feel like they don't you know, want to be told what to do, even though right now you're pretty much, if you're free to drive across the country and if you are able to go occupy the capital of Canada for three weeks, you pretty much got a lot of freedom. Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, yeah, so it's it's a little bit of everything. Um, and I think social media certainly exacerbates it uh, to a whole different degree when people are able to be anonymous and um, just post random bullshit, you know? I've never, ever seen a politician put their personal cell phone out in a tweet that has like 13,000 likes, um, which means that thousands and thousands and thousands of people have seen your number. You said to the people who are mad about my tweet, don't call City Hall. Don't be rude to staff. You're mad at them, not me. Call me and talk to me directly. Your phone must have been (laughs) a hot mess. Uh, Is it It still? Can you take us into what your inbox looked like? It's calmed down a little bit. It was one of those things where I did it and then I was like, oh, what have I done? Um, <laughs> but the thing is, it's true. Like people were calling city hall, calling the front desk, calling my assistant and, and berating them. And it's like, no, no, you're mad at me. Call me directly. So I had, um, Oh my God, I, I couldn't even keep track. The phone was just like going, going, going. And then there was a small minority of people that were like, I can't believe you use that language. Fuck you. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, sure, I was like, yeah. okay, so that's fine. <laughs> um, but overall it was, yeah, I had, I had calls and texts from like, Every province in Canada, like Detroit, Boston, New England, Florida, like wild, you know, people that reaching out and just saying like, thank you. It's so nice to have a politician that is speaking in plain language in the terms that these people can actually understand. Yeah, there's there's I don't know if it's I don't think it's it's a new breed of politician, um, because I think that there have been dynamic uh, political leaders that have connected with people, obviously, through the years. I mean, for millennia, quite frankly. Uh, But, you know, there's something about a politician that keeps it real and that says what people are thinking and that's not afraid to like, what's that phrase? Like saying like nobody's listening, dance like nobody's watching, but just like it's like (laughs) they're one of us like they fold their laundry too. they go to the grocery store, too. And there's but there is. Is that 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 kind of a trend in politics that I think people, myself included, when you see it exhibited, uh, because you know, like you took a you took a, I mean, I let, let's say you're not seeking re-election, so that makes it kind of interesting, and I want to ask you about that, but but you still took yeah. it, you took a calculated risk, uh, and any politician or, or for that matter, any business leader that 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 does something that steps outside of the norm, out of the safety zone, they take that political risk. And I think that it it provides, I I think for a lot of people, reason to believe that there still can be authenticity in politics. Well, you know, that's part of how I got elected back in 2014 to council was like, I knocked on doors and just talked to people. I said, and I had only lived in Peterborough for like three and a half years at the time. Um, And I knocked on the door and I said, hi, my name's Diane. I'm running for city council. And I want to know like what issues are important to you rather than a politician coming in and being like, I have all the answers. Listen to me. Because I don't. I've never claimed to have all the answers. Um, But I think that the other piece of it is that um, we're so tired of politicians always like trying to please everybody and sitting on the fence and not wanting to offend, you know, and it's like if you're in politics, you know, you're never going to make everyone happy. Um, So don't even try. You just kind of have to own, um, you know, what makes you um, what makes you a good politician. And I think part of it is. Um, like I've always been, I was elected, I was 28 when I was first elected. I was 32 when I was elected to the office of mayor. And so people still were, 
you know, like, what's all this? You know, I'd go to events and they'd be like, oh, we're waiting for the mayor. And I'm like, I'm, I'm here. And they're like, mm. oh, we, that's not what we expected. It's because I'm not an old white guy in a suit. Um, you know, and I come from, I don't come from a political family. I don't come from a wealthy family. Um, and so I think it's also like changing that narrative around who belongs in politics and who should be in politics. You know, I didn't go to private school like half these conservative MPPs, you know, like I went to public school. Um, you know, I had my first job at 14 um, and uh, and politics is just sort of something I fell into. And so I think it is important to normalize the fact that um, people, lower income people, young people, you know, people that are living in poverty, they all belong around the table, too. You know, we need to change this idea of who deserves to be. Uh, in in politics and who deserves to be elected. I think you're bang on, but I'm also concerned that a lot of people see what politicians are subjected to and they wonder why on earth would I put myself into that line of fire? And I don't mean it literally, but, you know, at the same time, and then people, I mean, we could get into all different kinds of angles on it, but, you know, people say, quite frankly, it's not worth the money. A lot of people go, I can make more in the private sector with what I bring to the table. Do you share that same concern? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, counselors in, in the city of Peterborough are like ostensibly part time. Um, it's been that way for a while. And we have this debate every basically every term of council about uh, increasing the pay, um, g- giving people benefits. Uh, and the people that argue against it are the, you know, the older guys that have, you know, that retired with a pension and benefits. So they don't need one from this. Um, but for young people, for single parents, for you know, lower income people, it's not worth, it's like just not worth the cost benefit analysis of the amount of uh, time that you're expected to put in, never mind all the abuse that you have to deal with. Um, for, for a lot of people, it's just, it's just not worth the money. And you don't want people doing it just for the money, but you also want to make it accessible enough so that you don't just have people from rich families or people that are retired with benefits, because that's, you know, historically, uh, largely what we've seen. Mm. Uh, I got an audience member making an interesting comment here, and I don't want to. I, I was going to read it after the interview, but I don't want to speak on your behalf. Let, you, you take this one on. Uh, he says, <laughs> I, he says, uh, Mayor, he says, I don't disagree with her goals. It's nevertheless fascinating to me that the guy in Grand Prairie gets roasted for using offensive ad hominem while this lady gets treated like a hero for doing the same. In your words, how would you reply? Yeah, um, I mean, I. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, the Grand Prairie guy, oh, who was accosting uh, right, Freeland. the guy that called Freeland right. to drop the C bomb and like told her to get the yeah. Fuck out of Alberta and I mean, I think and... it's you know, I think it's it's different when it's you know like a personal attack like that. You know, they obviously were waiting for her in the hotel with the you know with the intent to just kind of tell her to fuck off. Um, you know, I was speaking out of frustration. Uh, for a, my community and it was basically yeah like under you know not under siege in that sort of way but again all of our police officers and first responders were tied up dealing with this nonsense in front of the police station so that means that people that are calling domestic violence calls mental health calls uh, break and enters all of those were going unresponded to because these people were using all of the resources that our city has which are limited anyways Um, And so, you know, there is a level of frustration when there's a group of people that are so delusional and so entitled that they're going to come into a city and and try to arrest the police and then again, tie up all of those resources. Um, You know, I wasn't talking to a specific person. It was the the general, 
you know, the general group that is so entitled that they don't care about anybody else but themselves. And so, you know, again, tying up all the police resources. Meanwhile, we have people trying to get police to come help them get out of a domestic violence situation. Yeah. But but no, can't do that because these guys want to try to bum rush the police station. Why do you think why Peterborough? Why were they? What am I missing? Why, why are they all gathering in Peterborough? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this this queen of Canada lady has been doing, I think, like a cross country trip. It must be nice to have that amount of time and freedom and and I guess money that she's scamming off of her followers. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had a few um, a few instances of it, like kind of you know, sprouting in Peterborough. And again, it's not, we don't have the monopoly on crazy. I talked to other mayors and other communities and and it's happening there too, but um, it just seems to be like a, there's a few instigators here that then try to bring everybody else in. Uh. Um, And, and because like previously they hadn't really had any consequences. So, uh, you know, there's been, I think six arrests or charges out of what happened a couple Saturdays ago. So finally there's some, um, actual consequences for these actions because these people, I think, are not used to having that. Um, they don't. They act like they've never been told no before in their life. Yeah, um, yeah. You you could ride uh, this wave of popularity to a, a guaranteed reelection, but you're you're not pursuing it. Can you give us some insight in, into why and maybe what your future politically or otherwise might look like? Yeah, I mean. I- I uh, I sort of fell into politics. It's not something that I ever expected to do when I was younger. And in fact, when I re- first ran for council, my family was like, you're running for politics? Like, you hate politics. You hate politicians. You're like, that's like, why I'm running. That's why I'm running. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that was basically it. Like, I ran because I saw who was around the council table in Peterborough at the time. And I basically was like, I could do that job. And I think I would do it better. Um, and so, you know, and then I ran for mayor in 2018. Again, people were like, you're never going to win. You're too young. You need to wait your turn. Uh, and I was like, no, why? Why? Um, but it's been a struggle. I mean, the pandemic obviously, you know, threw a whole wrench into this term. When we campaigned back in 2018, nobody foresaw a global pandemic that was going to sort of take over much of the term. Um, there still is a lot of, um, you know, old, old guard uh, Peterborough that doesn't like that I'm not from Peterborough. They don't like that I'm a young woman. Uh, The other two progressive women on council are not running again either, which again speaks volumes about the culture at City Hall and the culture around the council table. Um, But there's some great candidates running in the upcoming elections. So so all is not lost. Um, But again, like I've done eight years around the council table, which is more than most people have. And I want to be I know it seems ironic because of all this stuff that's blown up in the last couple of weeks, but like I do want to be out of the public eye for a little bit mm. and take some time to just, you know, do what I want to do rather than have to be on 24 seven, which, uh, you know, which you do, especially in a town as small as Peterborough, even when I'm walking the dogs, I'm like, people want to talk about potholes and yeah. taxes. And oh yeah. All that fun stuff. Oh yeah. Which and- again, I, which I love, but you know, I also need a little bit of respite from it. Well, yeah. And I mean, you've you've uh, people should follow you on Twitter at Diane and Terry. And um, you, you you're one of your most recent tweets. Um, you know, you you share and she's we were going to pull the video, but she's obviously speaking uh, in her native tongue. And so people can check it out, though. Finland's uh, prime minister, Senator. And this this has been such a bizarre story. Uh, I know the criticism she's faced. Like first, there's like some video of her dancing with her friends. I know, and her people critic- don't like people don't like some people don't like uh, you know politicians t- to be normal, especially when we're young women. Yeah, we're supposed to act a certain way and talk a certain way and not have fun and not be normal. 
um, which I think, again, is bullshit. And so that's part of where we're trying to like challenge this narrative. I mean, I think you shouldn't elect people that don't dance. Dancing's the best. I agree. Uh, you know, stop electing like do- stodgy old dudes that don't that can't cut a rug. You know? Yeah, exactly. These yeah, Johnny <laughs> loves it. These are, do, do you agree though, Johnny? I agree. As a DJ, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. As a, as a DJ, he endorses this message. I love it. You're crushing. Yeah. You're crushing Red Bull while we talk, Mayor. You're cut crushing from a, a Red Bull. Same I know. cloth as we are. We love it. We love it. Uh, but this is like these are people that are forming policy. These are people that are shaping the direction that society moves. Obviously, they should be relevant and plugged in. Yeah. And you know, what I mean, I just think and- that. What I'm saying and is the so thing obvious. Is too, yeah. Well, and the thing is too, when you, when you only have people around the table that are, you know, from rich families that have, you know, never had to like work for minimum wage or wait tables or whatever, like this is what, you know, what we see in Ontario with the provincial government, you know, you don't have anybody around that conservative table that's ever been on social assistance. So no wonder they keep cutting social assistance and no wonder they don't care about uh, removing the rent cap. Um, so until you have people that have that lived experience, you you have people making decisions, even though it's not going to impact their lives. Yeah. They'll give themselves a raise and a housing allowance and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, they're going to say, oh, you can survive on, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a month on social assistance. No, you fucking can't. None of those guys could if they tried, you know. Um, so we need people in politics that know what it's like to be poor, that know what it's like to, you know, have to, you know, work multiple jobs just to survive single parents you know people of color all that kind of stuff we need more of that in young people i'm just waiting for gen z to take over Mm. i just like want all of them (laughs) to like come in and uh and make it all equitable and and queer and cool like that's it equitable queer and cool that's a good hashtag we we had a a, (laughs) our municipal elections just a relatively short time ago i guess about a year ago now something like that it'll be a year ago this fall and uh, while these campaigns weren't necessarily successful um, I interviewed some some really I mean, I'm talking like 18 year old candidates and uh, and and the perspectives that they gleaned already. I was just an idiot at 18. Like, I mean, if I tried to run an election campaign, it would never have been taken <laughs> so seriously. But it's really I mean, it was just really encouraging. And, and we don't necessarily see eye to eye on every one of their policies, but that's kind of the point. Uh, and I really appreciate that. Point, yeah, exactly. that Engagement. You know, let me ask you this really quickly. It's it's uh, as we're speaking, it's Tuesday, August 30th, which means tomorrow in your city of Peterborough, it's International Overdose Awareness Day. And uh, you and I have never had a chance to speak before. So so obviously there's like different levels of government that factor in and, and we see different initiatives. But but where's your head at uh, with regards to Canada's opioid crisis? What have you done or what do you hope to do in Peterborough? And what would you like your fellow Canadians to be thinking about? Yeah, that's a great question. So we did a flag raising last week at City Hall and then actually at the police station was the first, uh, I think the first in Canada police service to acknowledge Overdose Awareness Day. Um, so we've been, you know, making a lot of headway on that front and our and our acting chief of police has been for, I think almost 20 years, he's been one of the main uh, police officers that's been leading the curve on trying to, to destigmatize and to try to help with um, you know, uh, help drug users uh, get get help and get assistance. So um, there's a lot going on. Um, and we, you know, Peterborough has one of unfortunately the highest overdose rates in the country. Um, we have uh, a consumption and treatment site that was set up, oh gosh, I want to say six, well, maybe not six months ago, time's flying, but it was, it's been operational for the summer. Um, so people can actually go use in a safe place. Um, you know, my office funded naloxone kits for a lot of our downtown businesses. 
Um, I continue to advocate and work with the health unit on like a safe supply. Really, we need the feds to kind of step up on that. Um, and then also uh, um, continuing to advocate to the province for proper rehab and detox facilities, because we don't have really any in Peterborough. And if somebody wants to get clean and they're told, oh, you're on a wait list for six months, well, that person's not going to get clean. They need that help now um, because, you know, if you're going to wait six months, a lot of those people are going to die. Mm. And we've seen a lot of people die. Um, and so uh, the shirts that we're selling with through Dean Blundell, the proceeds go to PARN, the Peterborough AIDS Resource Network, which does a lot of help with uh, outreach and help with IV drug users and, and other folks. Um, and so that that money is all going to to help people uh, right on the front lines, which is great. We've got a, a audience member here, Lauren, who simply says this guest must return. And so we will <laughs> we'll try to lock you in. Maybe when you announce your reentry to politics, a pot with plenty of time away to, to relax and recharge your batteries. A little bit of a hint, Mayor, it, would it be at a, at a provincial or a federal level? Have you made up your mind yet where you'd go? I have not. No, yeah, well, you'll you, be the first to know. Thank you very much. I'll hold you to that. Uh, I would <laughs> expect that your, your services, your enthusiasm, your experience, your dynamism and everything else would be in high demand and a great asset to any party. In all seriousness, Mayor, I didn't think you were going to text me back. I'm so grateful that you did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like my text. I tried to be, I tried to like not bury the lead. I was like, we're legitimate. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're a news podcast. Uh, we'd really, but, but in all seriousness, your team's been a delight to work with and we're grateful for your time. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much. You got it. That's Peterborough's mayor. Can I say Diane fucking Tarion? I, <laughs> I love it. I, th I don't think she'd care. She's great. Yeah. She's like, I barely know yeah. her. She's one of my favorite politicians. Now, Peterborough's a great place. Like, you know, I grew up in Ontario. Tell us, give us some insight into Peterborough. Until I was about 20. Well, all the little boroughs, not to use a pun, in Ontario are just amazing. Like Peterborough, Port Hope, Port Hope Orno, Newcastle, which is now part of Clarington. But they all have this amazing, you know, small town vibe to them. But they also have that, like she said, old stock kind of Ontario folk who are used to living a certain way, don't want things to change. But status quo. The unfortunate truth is like the young people, 25 to 45, are powering the economy. And like she said, like she's waiting for Gen Z to take over. Like, why not? Why not, you know, invest and like lift up the youth? Because like when I retire, I don't know about you, like I still want to have a say in things. But I want to lean back and let other people like the young folk. I want them to be set up and and running things. I don't want to have my my foot uh, in the pile trying to kick around and, and push people down. So uh, Rose just says, wow, thanks for all that she does for her community. And it sounds like that's not Rose's community, but Rose still recognizes the value that comes with that. I love this from Lauren. Definitely a person I would want to crack a beer with. No kidding. She's a person I want to crack about 12 beers with. Like, 100%. let's go. That was that was a great conversation. I really appreciate that. That's uh, Peterborough's mayor Diane Terrian, uh, who's obviously been in high demand uh, interviewers across the country. You don't see elected representatives just telling people to fuck off, but like they're getting told to fuck off on a daily basis. So, sure. So like, why not? Yeah, and I don't want to, and I don't want to pile on Hawes. I don't know that we need to spend too much time on this, but I, I think that the comparisons are just abs like apples and apples and golf balls buddy like i don't you know i don't think that some guy with i don't know if it was a buck knife or what it was on his belt rolling in dropping the c-bomb at the deputy prime minister coming at her shoulders up trying to get her into the elevator tell like uh, you know compared to a mayor being like our city hall uh our, our you know our, our police headquarters right now there people trying to citizens arrest the cops there's domestic violence calls that can't go answered cops are coming in on overtime off duty to manage the city i i, I just don't even think that it's 
let me put it this way. Haas and I have had, we've never met, but Haas has, has been a loyal listener through my different careers. And, uh, and, and we've always had sort of great debates virtually. But in this one, uh, I don't find that question or that comparison to be in good faith. Uh, Donna says, yeah, nobody can fight the youth. They will inherit the world. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the quote in front of me. There was this, I think it's a Hawaiian proverb, if I remember correctly. Uh, I learned it, uh, or at least I first heard of it when we were in Maui uh, many years ago. And somebody said to me, um, what was it? It's like something like the the next generation, you know, what is it? that that They they don't inherit the earth from us. We borrow it from them Mm -hmm. was basically the gist of it, right? Is it's not ours to bequeath upon the generations that come after us. We're borrowing from those generations, uh, ultimately. It's theirs. And there are some interesting dynamics with every generation, uh, like you talk about like Gen Z or millennials or Gen Xers or whatever, baby boomers. There are kind of trends that that don't apply to or fit everybody from that generation. Mm -hmm. But Gen Z, as much as we know about Gen Z to this point, is not the generation that is content, happy or willing to sit around until they turn 55 to be able to take over and start calling some shots. It's a generation that wants to be involved in in policy formation, in in administration, in leadership, yeah, and they want it quick. And I love it. It's weird getting old, <laughs> not to, not to damn for the, but you, when you finally realize you're kind of separated from the generations after you. Like you know, I'm millennial, but now I feel like like I don't exactly connect with Gen Z. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm excited for them. But I hate the people. They're always they're always getting kicked. You know, they're too much screen time. They're lazy. This and that. But everybody said that about every generation after them, right? It happens every time. Gen X was like, you know, you know, these guys don't know the value. I used to walk to school, you know, uphill both ways and driving snow. And then it was like millennials. Never thought millennials (laughs) are lazy. Now everybody thinks Gen X is lazy. I'm sorry we built better transit systems. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Or transit systems at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be getting to, I, I've been promising you that I want to, that we've got these emails and the problem is we just keep getting these great interviews. And so we haven't had time, but I am going to get to an email from Chris, uh, coming up in an email from Chantel in just a second. Chris is talking about gun control in Canada. Chantel's talking about, uh, her industry. She's a crane operator and, uh, chances are she's hearing her name right now from high atop a crane. She says she listens to real talk while she works, which is amazing. She wants to talk about the, the dynamic of being a woman in, in a typically male dominated field that's coming up in just a bit you know every tuesday our friends at leading edge physiotherapy give us a chance to focus on some innovation and sometimes it's a person sometimes it's a group or a charitable endeavor and sometimes it's it's a thing and that's the case today in this edition of the leading edge check this out this is something you can hear about on the podcast sure but you have to check this out on YouTube. You have to see this on camera. This is the TRV chair. You know, vertigo. If you've ever lived with vertigo, it's a horrific reality. The sensation that you or the environment around you is moving or spinning. Obviously, majorly problematic. Well, the TRV chair uh, uses this perfect balance with different weights. Uh, So an examiner, for example, at Leading Edge Physiotherapy, can move the patient in three-dimensional movements uh, to get a detailed examination of the vestibular system. And what you're seeing right now, we want to show you some photos. This is the very first TRV chair in Canada. 
the very first one in the country, and it's just been installed at Leading Edge Physiotherapy's brand new location at the Royal Glenora Club in Edmonton, Alberta. This is Taylor Gray that's checking this out, and, and he's a vestibular therapist, an innovator in the treatment of vertigo himself. The TRV chair is dramatically changing not just the examination, but the potential treatments for people experiencing vertigo around the world. The first chair of its kind in Canada is at Leading Edge Physiotherapy, their brand new Royal Glenora location. The TRV chair is in the spotlight in this week's edition of The Leading Edge. Presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy, life shouldn't hurt. We spoke to Rod Giltaka last week, and if you missed that interview, I encourage you to check it out. Rob is a gun lobbyist, and I asked him, you know, with the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, you know, if they were essentially the, the Canadian NRA. And his, his short answer back, my paraphrase of his answer back, was that uh, we're a little bit less... Uh, he said we're a little bit more logical, I think was the word that he mm-hmm. used, wasn't it? He said we're, he's, we're a little bit different than the Canadian NRA. He said but we are concerned about Canadians' access to firearms, their rights uh, when it comes to owning firearms. And some of the political policies, you know, in, especially with the federal government, that, that they see rolling out. Of course, this is in the context of that big inquiry, the Mass Casualty Commission, into that horrific mass killing in Nova Scotia back in April of 2020. And so we talked to Rod. I encourage you to watch the full interview. But before we get to the email from Chris here, I wanted to remind you uh, just a little bit. Here's what Rod had to say. We are under full, full attack. And we have been since the liberals got into power. Um, We, you know, Canadians have owned firearms in this country since before Canada was a country. And as it applies to handguns, even we've owned handguns for 100 years. This firearm ownership and sport shooting and hunting and recreational shooting, this is nothing new. There's nothing, nothing has changed. There's almost virtually no connection between licensed gun owners and firearm related violence. But this particular uh, set of politicians that are in power right now want to create this connection, want to use us as a, as a way to divide Canadians and use gun owners as the boogeyman and, and, and mobilize their base by saying, hey, we're going to crack down on all these people that aren't responsible for firearm related violence. I mean, this has just got to stop. And, and I mean, it's not, it's not only gun control, right? It's a lot of different aspects of, of our society where we've experienced this division, this pitting against each other for political gain. It's, it's a strange time. That was Rod Giltaka on this show last week. And of course, you can check out the full interview anywhere you get your podcast or just check out our YouTube archive. So Chris sends us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. He says, first, I've been listening to Real Talk for quite some time. I want to thank you for providing a platform for all kinds of viewpoints and important discussions. Chris wouldn't be here without viewers like you. He says, I've, I've, I've thought about emailing a few times on topics I feel strongly about. This time, I couldn't hold back. And I wanted to respond to your guest, Rod Giltaka, on gun control. It really struck me when Mr. Giltaka dismissed the toxic gun culture in the United States as something that doesn't exist or can't exist here in Canada. Respectfully, has he been living under a rock? All he'd have to do is take a look at some of the commentary on his own Facebook page, the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. I am a military member, says Chris. I'm a PAL holder myself, so Chris has the license that he needs to own firearms. 
He says, so So I belong to quite a few Facebook groups uh, that are all about firearms. Uh, these groups are filled with people advocating for overthrowing government and repeating extreme rhetoric like hang Trudeau. In other words, a lot of people who should own firearms. Chris says, I can't say if any of these people are actually gun owners, but if they belong to firearms groups, they at least want to be. And this is exactly why we need strong gun control. Our culture is not that different than American culture. What is different is our laws. And Mr. Goltaka pointed out that we don't have problems with law-abiding gun owners, and he's right about that. The reason for that is our relatively strict gun laws. And sometimes those laws need updating to make sure that they continue to work. Chris says, no, I certainly understand the frustration for law-abiding gun owners worried that their hobbies will be interfered with. But I don't think that our hobby needs to trump public safety. Let's make sure that our gun culture in Canada continues to treat guns as tools and not as weapons. He says, thanks again for the show. It makes my drive to work a little more thought-provoking. That from Chris. Thanks so much. And we got a great email here from Chantel. Uh, this was on the heels of Lisa Laflamme's unceremonious dismissal from CTV. That story continues, remains in the news. You just like to see TV executives just digging themselves deeper and deeper on this one. Chantel says, uh, I can't get enough of the Real Talk podcast in all caps. She says, I want more. She says the chat about Lisa Laflamme and, and, and having Senator Paula Simons on the show to talk about the struggles and the harassment that women deal with at work. Boy, did that resonate with me. Chantel says a little bit about me. I grew up in a small town. Uh, playing sports with the boys. I love the outdoors. I, I wear baseball caps. Uh, I was sexually abused at the age of eight numerous times. Uh, but at this point as an adult, I'm a stronger and better person from all of my experiences. Now, luckily, I grew up with a loving and supportive uh, pair of grandfathers, my own dad and two brothers. And when I moved to the city many moons ago, I started in one of the non-traditional jobs for women. I've been with my current employee for six years now. She says, I'm not going to mention the company because I don't want to make things worse for myself or lose my job. Uh, but to help you understand better, we have 270 men employed and 12 women. Uh, but the 12 women, myself included, are told on a daily basis uh, we don't belong there. And we're subjected to sexual comments and, quite frankly, harassment. I was getting text messages, says Chantel, from an unknown number, very derogatory, undeniably sexist. After Human Resources sent my phone for a forensic examination in Vancouver, found out it was a guy from work, the company refused to discipline this individual and told me to toughen up and, quote, stop being a delicate flower. The nerve. She says, now, I'm, I'm not going to leave the company because it's got good benefits. The pay is fantastic. And I'm absolutely doing what I love. I'm a crane operator. I'm so extremely grateful growing up in the environment, the family that I did. And I remind myself daily that there are amazing men in the world that advocate for women. And it's important that we have platforms like this where women can have a voice and advocate. I listen to your podcast. She says, I listen to Carrie Dahl's podcast as well. Former broadcaster in Edmonton, a good friend of mine. Carrie's amazing. Uh, she says, well, I'm up there operating the cranes and it's very encouraging and refreshing to be able to see beyond this company. And to be able to see that there is hope, not just for me, but for anybody that's struggling with sexism. Chantel says there is good and bad in every race, culture, religion. Uh, let's all be more kind 
and loving to everyone. She says, hats off to the real talkers out there that are making a difference. And thank you for hosting these important conversations. She says also, I mentioned I love ball caps. I'd love to buy a snap back real talk cap. I just can't find the link, she says. That from Chantel. Just go to ryanjesperson.com, click on merch, Chantel, and that's where you can find it. I'm so grateful for you sharing those thoughts with us. And thanks for listening while you work. To everybody that listens on your way into work, at work, or your way home, it means a lot to all of us. We care about what we're doing here. We know that these conversations are important, but without you, our audience, without you liking and sharing our content, rating and reviewing our podcast, telling your friends about it. We got a photo from somebody the other day. They were at an amusement park with their family. They're repping their Real Talk hat. That means the world to us. We want to get these interviews and these important conversations in front of as many people as possible. I'm already seeing some of you right now on the live chat encouraging Chantel to start looking elsewhere for work. I'm sure there's got to be a, a crane company that could have a bit better culture. Wouldn't you think there's got to be one 100%. out there? Hey, maybe Chantel can start up her own company. Oftentimes, this is how that happens, right? In the face of adversity, boy, oh boy. They oftentimes say that the most fertile soil is one that has recently seen wildfire tear through it. Is that what they say? (laughs) I think that's accurate. These conversations happen because of the support of amazing partners like the family-owned Eden Landscaping. You know, pretty soon, that ground is going to start to freeze up, my friends. Uh, Don't shoot the messenger. It's just a fact. And that means that if you're looking to run a natural gas line, maybe from your meter out to the garage so you can put out a heater, maybe a natural gas heater on a thermostat so you don't have to warm up the vehicle and let it idle at $2 a liter gas, right? Makes more sense now than ever before to hire a team like Eden Landscaping to do that excavation for you. You've still got time. And maybe it's an outdoor kitchen you're looking to do. Maybe you're retaining wall. Maybe you want to talk to Mike and his team about getting a water feature installed for early spring next year. Now's a great time to reach out to landscapeedmonton.ca and make contact with them. You can learn about the company, browse their services, and even check out their portfolio. The proof is in the performance with Eden Landscaping. If your family is looking to upgrade your ride, don't forget right now, St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge have uh, Canada's most decorated truck this is the back-to-back-to-back motor trend truck of the year three-time defending champion that is the ram and you won't find a better selection than you will at sherwood and st albert dodge right now you check out their website you can get zero percent financing for 60 months and up to 6750 dollars in total discounts on select models for eligible owners up to ten thousand dollars in total discounts why not get into a four-wheel drive before the snow flies you can do that at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Our friends at Apex Automation want to remind engineers across the country that if your company doesn't value what you bring to the table, if you're working for clients that don't appreciate what you're doing to give them back their time, it could be time for a move to Apex Automation. There's a reason why their team has grown more than 300% over the last couple of years. It's because more and more people are valuing the workplace culture that Apex Automation is all about. You can provide intuitive, fully autonomous solutions to industry as part of a team at Apex Automation. Check them out online today via the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. 
And it will be an early Trash Talk this week. Trash Talk's going to be coming at you on Thursday because we're off Friday. We're off Monday for Labor Day. Trash Talk is presented by Local Environmental Services. You have until Thursday morning to send us your rant, your rave to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Local Environmental Services has been keeping it local for a quarter century family-owned operating in Alberta and Saskatchewan with services like vacuum trucks, fencing, portable toilets, water hauling, and of course, front load and roll-off bins. If you're going to be doing a fall yard cleanup, if you're still going to get that roof replaced or re-shingled before winter, you're going to want to get a bin from Local Environmental Services. You can request a quote today at localenvironmental.ca. Coming up on tomorrow's show, this week of mayors, I guess, it's it's unintentional, but it's the way it's playing out, will continue with Calgary's mayor, Jody Gondek. She's going to talk to us about something very personal, the stuff that she shared on her Twitter thread the other day after that incident at Grand Prairie's City Hall. We want to get as many angles on that as we can. Plus, Max Fawcett is going to fact check the whole Alberta climate police thing that Justin Trudeau wants. We'll see you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.